Welcome to the Sober Nation FM podcast, where we're putting recovery on the map. I'm your host, Jonathan Sylvester. This show is brought to you by Sobriety Engine. Do you want to take your recovery to the next level? Do you want more support, community, and fellowship? Sobriety Engine is an incredible community of men and women supporting each other in their recovery. You can get a ton of great tips, resources, and guidance to help you succeed in recovery and in life. Visit sobrietyengine.com to join today. Sober Nation FM is also brought to you by Recover Health. If you're ready to get fit and start living a healthier lifestyle all while supporting your sobriety, then you can learn more about having me as your own personal fitness and nutrition coach at rcvrhealth.com. And whether you're listening to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or watching on YouTube, please share this with your friends, follow, subscribe, and leave a review. Nation, let's hop right into today's episode. Today, I'll be speaking with journalist, author, and former comedian, Amy Dresner. Thanks for joining me today, Amy. Hi, Jonathan. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. And I want to hear all about your book and your new podcast we were just talking about. Mm -hmm. But first, I'd really like to start off just by asking a little bit about what things were like before getting sober and how you found recovery. So could you share a little bit about that with us? Yeah, of course. Um, it was really bad. Um, I, uh, I was kind of a late bloomer. I started drinking around 19, but at 24, I found crystal meth and that was, you know, like a two year battle that landed me in my, in, uh, in treatment for the first time. Um, nothing like staying up for 17 days and writing a new Bible yeah. Wow. Yeah. I was wow. like, okay, like this is might not be working. Uh, <laughs> it's not, I don't know if meth is going to make me that functional. Uh, yeah. And then, you know, I would get time and relapse and time and relapse mm. years and relapse. Oh, wow. okay. And so, um, and things escalated as they always do. So like I ended up like shooting, learning, you know, I, I got into cocaine after meth gave me full blown epilepsy, which I still have. Uh, but I have all my teeth and that's all that really matters in LA. Hi. <laughs> so uh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Who cares Gorgeous. if my brain's fried, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like I have good hair. That's right. what matters. There you go. Uh, no, I'm on medication for that. And it's been a fucking nightmare and I've cracked my head open and I've lost my license twice and broken wow. teeth and it's been really bad. Uh, but after I got sober for a while, I didn't want to touch crystal again because I was like, well, that's made with gun gluing and Drano. And it's, so I'm going to use cocaine because that's natural. Mm. So um, then I started, yeah, oh yeah, I mean, I know it makes sense. All right. I totally, right. So then um, of course I ended up back in treatment, you know, again, and then I started shooting cocaine because like why waste money and time? Let's Mm -hmm. get to where we're going. (laughs) Let's be efficient. Yeah. And um, uh, yeah, it was just 25 years of relapse and suicide attempts and uh, psych wards and abusing everything from oxy to for loco hi i'm classy um to uh you know everything i just i cannot use anything in moderation at all Mm. and um so finally um i was in a not so great marriage and um because i married someone because i thought they were going to fix me and take care of me which is always a great reason to marry somebody and uh, I relapsed in that marriage on Oxycontin. I was given for a shoulder injury. 
Okay. And um, I was like, well, I don't like oxy. I don't like downers. Like, I'm, I'm an upper, it'll be fine. And it's never right. fine. It's like whenever mm. that, you know, that veil went up between me and reality. And I was like, oh, yes, I don't care. Right. I don't care about right. anything. I love this. I don't care about mm-hmm. what you think. I don't care about what I think. I don't, you know. And um, on uh, December 25th, Christmas of 2011, things got really out of control and physical. And I pulled a knife on him. He called the cops and I went to jail for felony domestic violence with a deputy. Wow. wow. And that was sort of the end of, well, that was the end of that marriage. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and also the beginning of my journey into this recovery. And now I have over seven years. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, I lost everything. I was left penniless in a psych ward. I went back to treatment. I relapsed. I went to sober living. I relapsed. And then I finally got into a sober living for about two and a half years and was going through a divorce and a criminal trial. And But what really changed my life was the community, uh, mm. was the court-ordered community labor. Okay. I had to sweep trash and syringes and cigarette butts and human feces on the sidewalk for 240 hours what 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 was what was it about that that um kind of changed things for you this is all in the book and it's funny but you know at the time I was like oh this is horrible you know I was 42 years old and Mm -hmm. I'm in sober living and I'm on medical disability and I have no money and I'm newly sober again and I'm a divorcee with a criminal record and I'm like this is like Mm -hmm. this is not good at all and um what it was was that um number one was like everything that i thought could never happen to me happened to me Hmm. everything that i thought i was immune to because i was you know grew up in beverly hills or came from money or was highly educated you know what i mean all that shit went out the window i mean i everything that i thought would you know happen to other people all of it happened to me and so um uh i just was on it was me on a chain gang with like 40 hispanic guys and they were like what you here for weta hmm? i'm in for a dui what you here for <laughs> and i was like the only like girl the only white girl yeah and i was like oh i'm i'm here for felony domestic violence with like a deadly weapon they were like oh shit you know yeah, it was yeah. like so i quickly realized like i was the criminal and i was worse than anyone else very few people were there for assault and i remember sweeping the streets it was like eight hours a day it was really really hot and really mm. exhausting and I just had an epiphany and I was just like, you know, at first I was feeling really sorry for myself. I was like, you know, fuck the police and fuck my, di- my, my ex-husband and my yeah. lawyer sucked and this isn't fair. And then I went, you know what? This is the repercussions of all your actions. Like these are the consequences of your choices and your actions and the way you interact with the world. And I was like, this could be the best thing that ever happened to you. Or it could be the worst thing that ever happened to you. And like, you get to decide which that is. And so I just decided like, I was going to embrace whatever it was and find the lessons. And I did, and it was amazing. And I, I just, I found compassion. I found a work ethic. I found humility. Um, I finished what I started. It just, it shifted everything for me. And wow. I've been sober ever since. That's awesome. That's awesome. So I, I want to ask, you know, because you've said, and I think you just described that, you know, you were a, a chronic relapser, right? right? And and I think we hear that term. Years. Yeah, yeah, I hear that term a lot in recovery. What what do you think it was that finally clicked? I mean, I, I know you just described, you know, having to do this community service type deal, and and that taught you probably a little humility 
would be my guess. And it sounds like you did what I did, like started to take some, some responsibility. Right. But what, what do you think it was that finally clicked for you? Um, I think that, um, I realized that no one was going to do it for me. No one was going to save me. No one was going to take care of me. I had to make my own way in the world. I needed to grow up. Also, you know, my parents, I, I had to lose everything. I mean, I really did. Um, and build it up again myself. Because there's no self-esteem when everything is given to you. You know what I mean? There's a sort of empty self-esteem. But when you build your own life and do things like writing the book or whatever, like things that I've accomplished for myself without any outside help, you know, um, it's given me self-esteem as well as, you know, being of service, but, um, also everyone was over my shit. You know what I mean? Like everyone was over it. There was no more money. There was no more. My parent, my dad didn't speak to me for two months. My parents were like, we're tired of you at the bottom of the well, man. It's we're done. Sure. You know, you've drained us financially and emotionally for years. Like get it together. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I think that I just went, you know, before that, I had been very sort of like, I'm a princess and people are going to take care of me. And like, you know what I mean? And I didn't want to, you know, I had a trust fund and then I married a rich guy. And then the universe was like, oh, you don't want to take care of yourself? Really? Okay, here. Rock it out, honey. Yeah, yeah. Here you are on medical disability in a sober living in a shared room for two and a half years. Enjoy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, babysitting and writing articles and just starting my life from scratch in my 40s. And it was gnarly. And I was like, you know, it was completely, I just woke up and grew up. And for me, that was a big part of getting sober was just growing the fuck up. Yeah, no, I I hear that for sure. And I definitely, I mean, there's always, you know, people talk about rock bottoms and then you hear the joke like, well, rock bottom is when you stop digging, right? And so it can always get worse. But yeah, I, I hear you. I think a lot of us, and definitely for me, like I had to get to a point where there were no more options yeah. essentially like exactly. no one was going to be there exactly to bail me out again exactly and, and i and i needed that like thank yes. god people you know were sick of my shit i mean uh, you know people say like tough love doesn't work i don't i don't know i don't know i yeah. mean like i mean i tried to kill myself at my friend's apartment i was living with her when my husband kicked me out my ex-husband and then her she wouldn't let me stay there anymore well her brother mm-hmm. wouldn't and so there was nowhere else to go you yeah. know what I mean? If I got kicked out of this sober living, there was nowhere to go. Yeah. And so, yeah. I mean, I was, I needed that desperation. And also, I guess, you know, and it wasn't like this was the worst using I ever had. I mm-hmm. was just, I was taking pills and drinking. It wasn't when I was like shooting cocaine and having convulsions and wearing a bike helmet so I didn't hit my head, crack my head open. Like it wasn't like the worst using I had. Right. The criminal stuff wasn't terrific. That wasn't, that wasn't great. That mm. was a nightmare. And I still, it got dropped to a misdemeanor. I did a year of domestic violence counseling and all my community labor and um, it got dismissed. But I mean, like, I don't know if I can go to Canada. Like I need to have my record expunged. Yeah. Yeah. Still I'd like need. to go to Canada. People are like, why do you fuck you want? I'm like, no, I like Canadians. I like it. I want to go. <laughs> it might, it might be a good time to, uh, to take a little vacay. If you could, you actually, think? if you could, uh, you know, get anywhere right you now. You think? But, uh, Hi. Yeah. Anyway. So, so let me ask, I mean, so you, you do the community service deal and it sounds like the mindset starts to change a little yeah. bit and you kind of get to this point where, like you said, you're growing up, so to speak. And, um, what, what recovery wise, where do things go from there? Well, I had been in, um, 
NA prior to that for okay. many, many years and had sponsors and sponsees. Okay. Um, um, I got a, a new sponsor. I think what shifted for me, and I had done the steps and all that kind of stuff. I think what shifted for me was not my sponsor now, but the sponsor before had said, you don't have to act like a good person. You don't have to be a good person. You just have to act like one. No one knows the difference. Hmm. And I was like, oh, like I had been very about my feelings and my feelings had driven me. And I don't feel like doing that. And I don't want to do that. And I really started to act like the person I wanted to be. You know, when I did my fifth step, I was like, oh, I'm a horrible human being. Like yeah. I wasn't who I thought I was at all. I was like, oh, I'm entitled and lustful and violent and reactive and jealous. And I was like, yikes, I don't want to be that person. So I started to act, act like the person I wanted to be, no matter how I felt, which is hard for us because we have very, very big feelings. Yeah. You know, well, so big, big feelings. Just and to so, touch on something specifically there. So you mentioned your fifth step. So, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it sounds like that was your more, or, you know, one of your most recent then at least fifth steps. Like, did you feel yeah. like in when you did inventories in the past, like maybe you weren't as honest about stuff? Or? I think I was honest. I mean, when I did this one, this was, af I don't I don't know what changed. It was okay. a different sponsor. It was more thorough. Okay. I had become a sex addict in sobriety. So I had like a huge sex inventory of just like gnarly stuff. Okay. I had all that baggage around my ex and the mm. criminal system and, uh, I just was like, yeah, I mean, I realized I really wasn't who I thought I was mm. and I didn't like who I was and I wanted yeah. to change that. And so I started working on changing that and acting like the person I wanted to be. And, you know, um, when you take contrary action over and over and over again, you know, you create a new neural pathway in your brain where that becomes your default mechanism. And then, so it's not like fake it till you make it. It's like fake it till you become it. You actually become that other person. It's yeah. become sort of who you are naturally, you know? And so I yeah. still, you know, so it's like, I started to get into the science. I started writing a lot and I started to really get into the science of the whole thing. But also I just, you know, I was in sober living. I was forced to like live with women and I didn't like women prior to that. You know what mm. I mean? Because I'd been threatened by them and I hadn't been close to my mom. And so like everything shifted, everything came together to kind of shift. Okay. And I got like really, really humbled. And um, I don't know. I think that a lot of times we attribute it to sort of God or a higher power because we don't know what that click is. We don't I was know what just that thinking shift that. is. Yeah. You know, we don't, if we could create that for everyone, we could get everyone sober. It's for so sure. different for everybody. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Like I could have gone through my sweeping experience and been like, fuck this, this sucks. Mm. My ex sucks and my co the cops suck and my boy, yeah. you know? that's not fair. I'm mentally ill and I'm an addict, you know? And instead I went, Oh, you know what? Like my book opens and there's a quote from Will Rogers. And he's like, the worst thing that happens to you can be the best thing for you if you don't let it get the best of you. And I stumbled wow, upon I like that. that after, I like that. right. And I was like, Holy fuck. I mean, talk that's about awesome. reframing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I well, mean, why, yeah. Why I had that epiphany <laughs> where I was like, this is a good thing, you know, because right. plenty of people on there were not thrilled. Yeah. We're pissed. And yeah. a lot of them, you know, weren't, I don't know if they stayed sober or whatever. And a lot of them were really ashamed of it. Like they were like, okay, I'll be your friend on Facebook, but like, don't tag me in anything that has to do with the chain gang. And I was just like, 
so I was like, I used to post every day. I was like, off to the chain gang. Yeah, like, and I'd post yeah. like pictures of shit group, I saw. Yeah, group photo. Yeah, no, why wouldn't it blow anyone's fucking hands? But it's like, I take pictures from the back of like people, our uniforms or like, yeah. you know, like, you know, graffiti or things I found on the street. And I was really honest about what happened. Mm. And people rallied behind me on Facebook. They loved it. They were like, these are my favorite posts ever. And when I finished, they were like, get arrested again. That was hilarious. That's funny. I was yeah. like, yeah, I don't think so. Yeah. No, thanks. So, well, and yeah, and I asked about the fist step. You know, I didn't want to, I, I think a lot of the times, like in 12-step programs and, and just in recovery in general, we try to maybe like whittle things down, like past mistakes or why something didn't work out in the past to like, well, they just weren't as thorough on their fourth step, you know, or something it's like that. It's never that, that easy. I don't think it's yeah, ever it's that not. clear cut. I was always really honest and thorough, yeah. you know, but mm -hmm. I think that I just, I don't know. Yeah, for sure. No, I get that. And, you know, so you, and I did want to ask you about this, and I think you just used an interesting term and a term I really like, you know, as a coach as well, um, reframing, you know, yeah. and, and so like, you had said you're a chronic relapser. And one thing I've noticed is, is that, and, and you were talking about like living as the person you wanted to be. The thing that I've noticed is about people that, that say they're chronic relapsers is like, if you kind of notice a lot of the times, you know, people that are in 12 step programs and when you're in the rooms, you see these people and they'll, they'll say, I'm a chronic relapser. I'm a chronic relapser. And it's like, well, what happens? They keep relapsing. Of course it's a label. And that's something definitely like I look, I saw with being crazy. I'm like, okay. I'm crazy. And it was like, or I'm a sex addict. And it right. gave me permission to keep in that acting out it. all those behaviors. Cause I was like, well, what, you know, what do yeah. you expect? I'm blah, blah, blah. I'm a drug addict. It's like, so mm. I think that I really, I mean, I stopped doing stand up. And I really just was like, I have to completely like, you know, stand up was about sort of like what's broken about you is really funny. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I need to completely like reorganize the way that I'm looking at myself and yeah, life. That makes sense. Um, and so also when you're, you know, trying to get through a criminal trial and a divorce, you're not like, I gotta do a 10, a tight 10 minutes at the store at 11. Right, like, right. you know, you're, I yeah. mean, you're <laughs> Um, yeah. your priorities are different, you know, sure. I was like, I need to get sober and not go to prison. Like, how do I do right. that? And yeah. like survive financially. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that, you know, I still call myself an addict or a junkie and people have weird stuff around that, but it, you know, I see my addict's behavior in everything I do mm -hmm. still seven yeah, and a half here. years later, I see it in everything. And in some ways it's a really good thing. If you sure. can really rein that sort of intensity and compulsivity you can accomplish really cool stuff True. if you don't really keep a tight rein it then it's like you know then you're off to yeah weird no absolutely yeah i've seen that and 100%. ruminating spinning out and looking on you know ebay for you know five hours for the perfect vintage t-shirt or I, whatever weird i, shit, I get you know? it yeah. i get it no absolutely well and and so you mentioned a minute ago like and i know you do speak a lot about uh, the science behind addiction mm -hmm. and, and how we can rewire the brain, uh, you know, through action. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Like, why do you think that's, that's important? Just um, I think that. that's important because, well, first of all, what I've learned through doing a lot of writing, especially Dr. Howard Wetzman, who's an addictionologist, a psychiatrist who owned a, a rehab, who's also sober. Um, we're, Many of us have a, um, we're born with low dopamine tone. We don't have mm -hmm. enough dopamine, which is 
there's an actual mutation called MTHFR, and you can get tested for it. And of course, I have it, um, where you're, you don't have enough of the enzyme to break down folic acid from like green veggies into L-methylfolate, which is the building block for serotonin and dopamine. Mm. So you can't ever really, you're always kind of at a dopamine deficit. Okay. So then, of course, you're searching for things that give you dopamine. What gives you dopamine? Wow. Sex, attention, drugs, nicotine, uh, food, you know, sugar, gambling, like, you know, all that kind of stuff, you know, and but then those kind of things, you know, the addiction stuff throws your dopamine up really high, and then you come crashing down. And then it's this horrible cycle. Wow. So one of the other things that creates dopamine, although it's not quite so much of a rush as, you know, shooting cocaine is, you know, connection. Hmm. And you get a helper's high helping other people. Like one of the reasons 12 step works is because when you're with other people and you feel connected and you don't feel less than your dopamine rises, hmm. you know? So it's like another thing that lowers your dopamine is shame. When you feel ashamed or someone shames you or you feel less than. So it's so important. I think that we give ourselves a break. And when people come back in, we treat them with kindness and compassion and inclusivity and yeah. um, I mean, I sign all my books, fuck shame, because shame never got me sober, ever. It just kept me using. Mm. I had to make a decision to like forgive myself for all the crappy stuff I did. And um, so, yeah, that's, uh, you know, people find exercise. There's other way, meditation, whatever. But it's like, so I, I got interested in the science of it, too, as okay. someone who suffers from really bad depression and epilepsy. And um, I started taking an L-methylfolate supplement and all that kind of stuff. And it like helps, but it's not like, nothing's like a cure-all. You know what sure, I mean? Nothing is sure. like, bing, you know? Yeah. Um, I had a hard time with sort of the religiosity of 12-step programs that yeah. bothered me as a half-breed Jew. I was like, oh, I don't like that. Mm -hmm. And I had a hard time too with the idea that like, Oh, like it's just by the grace of God, wherein like I've seen so many people die. It's like, oh, God just didn't give a fuck about those right, people, right. but he cared yeah. about you and saved you. So I felt like also, you know, in terms of like changing your character defects, um, the idea that a higher power or something outside you is going to remove your character defects is such a fucking addict thinking. Like, I'm going to lay back and do nothing. Right, right, and you're yeah. going to fucking fix it yeah, for me. You know what yeah, I mean? For sure. And it's like, you have to do the work. Mm. You do the work. And it's through contrary action. It's like, it's, a, it's, it's an action-based program. You know, there yeah. are plenty of atheists in 12-step. So, mm. I mean. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. And I, I know I really didn't get, like, just looking at the sixth and seventh step, like, I not that I didn't understand like what the steps were saying, but I didn't understand uh, really like how to do like get into that action, you know, and, and you just said it like, I, I don't know if you've ever listened to Joe and Charlie, but you know, they had these like old speakers. Yeah, I haven't types. listened. I've heard great things about. Them. Okay. Yeah. So like they, they, they did these like really great, like big book studies and step studies and stuff back in the day. And, you know, basically what they were saying is exactly what you just said, like contrary actions. So like yeah. if being selfish is one of your character defects, right. which I mean, it is for all of us to some right. degree, you know, be giving, 
Um, for me, like if being judgmental is one of your character defects, like give someone a compliment or something. And it's also like, I have the little, you know, cards and it has the character defect on one side and the, and the opposite on the other. Oh, I've never seen. Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. So I'm like, and it's like a little pack of like note cards and like, you know, um, and it's easier to do something than it is to not do something. Mm-hmm. Your brain understands that better. Like yeah. I'm going to be giving today, not I'm going to not be selfish. Like That's your brain's true. like, I don't really get it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's easier to go towards a goal than to not do something. Yeah. No, that that makes a ton of sense. And I really appreciate, you know, your honesty with, with the 12 step stuff, because I, I've been very open. Like when I was introduced to, uh, you know, AA, I was like, you know, cult brainwashing oh yeah and it just got to a point where you know really i i was in so much pain that i just felt like i just had to give it an honest shot and for me you know and i know different things work for different people but that's that's really what what ended up working for me now i want to ask about yeah i'm your- not a fundamentalist at all i mean yeah like, i very much like hey if you get you know sober through fucking yoga with goats you know like right. awesome for you like i don't right. really scientology knock yourself out like i don't sure. really care like refuge mm. recovery or smart like i don't care yeah. we're all on the same path and i think there's way too much infighting in in recovery like always oh, oh, away sure. like for you know, sure i was posting something about harm reduction for the podcast because my co-host joe schrank is a clinical social worker so mm. it's like even though he's sober and abstinent and in the program he's very much like you get to determine your treatment and it's like so i post a harm reduction and a you know a lot of 12-step people were like you know and it's like hey man you can be in 12-step and still support other weight modalities for sure whatever and it's like also like and it i think that i just started to have more of a an open mind he's moved the needle for me in terms of like you know, absence being the only goal. I don't think that that's necessarily possible for everyone or necessarily that everyone wants it, which is fine. Like that's mm-hmm. the only thing that I can do. I couldn't do anything else. Like, yeah. like I said, you know, I'm yeah. an all or nothing kind of gal, you know, I'm either boning strangers in my bucket in the car, in the car, or I'm celibate for three years. So it's really not that much of a middle ground. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm like, Oh, okay. Like, definitely not good with the moderation at all and I, yeah. I think that's kind of just addicts in general we're either like you know smoking crystal or we're like doing crossfit and vegan like yeah. we're just really extremist you yeah. know no i i think i think um, you're you're right uh, but i abs- think that we need absolutely. to be embrace you know like all modalities and all kind of get under the same tent and so it's like whatever works for you a lot of times harm reduction does lead to abstinence and that's cool mm-hmm. but 12 step mm-hmm. doesn't work for everyone and that's cool you know what i mean yeah like your experience is your experience and it doesn't have to be you don't have to be fundamentalist and evangelical about it like yeah. it did work for me that is what worked for me and like the more i dug around in it the more i realized it was really behave cognitive behavioral therapy and that there was actually science like i told you about yeah, there like, is. why it fucking works you yeah. know what i mean for sure for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think, and it's a, it can be a tough thing. I know because, um, you know, like just looking at like, uh, you know, a 12 step program, for instance, like, you know, kind of like, well, I don't want to say, you, you know, cause you did put in the effort, but you know, there are people that, that come into recovery in general, whether it's a 12 step program or not, and they don't really give the effort, you know, and that, and I was one of those people, mm-hmm. you know, and it didn't work. 
go figure, right? So, right. I mean, I, but I think that sometimes, not sometimes, I mean, it happens, you know, there, there are instances where people come in, they give a 12-step program and on a shot, and then people kind of shame them because they say, well, you didn't really try. Right, yeah, it. you didn't work, it didn't work for you because you didn't do it right. Yeah, and I yeah. think that that's kind of like, uh, yeah. maybe yeah. it doesn't work for everybody. You know, if you've, everyone comes into, you know, trying to attempt recovery with a totally different bag of issues. Mm -hmm. You know, people have PTSD, people have, you know, childhood sexual abuse, people have mental illness, people have all kinds of stuff. You know what I mean? Some yep. people just have alcoholism. Some people have the genetics. Some people it was, you know, it, it developed over, you know, from a pain, from an injury, like everyone's thing is different. So to, and, and that's the problem I think with treatment is that as someone who's been in treatment seven times, yay, um, it's not personalized enough. You're taking all these people with different issues and yeah. sticking them in the same groups. Yeah. Anger management and sex addiction and relapse prevention and blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And it's like, you know, it's wherein everyone's thing is very different. You know, mm -hmm. I just wrote a piece, Joe and I wrote a piece about racism in treatment and recovery. And you know, what I found was that a lot of people of color who end up in treatment, there are no black counselors, no one understands their experience of being black in America, or the trauma of that, or the trauma with the police, the PTSD they have from the, you know what I mean? And they're told that's not part of their alcoholism, but incest right. and poverty is like, yeah. okay. So yeah. I don't know, I yeah. think we have a lot of work to do, you know? For sure. No, and, and I've, you know, I even mentioned that on episode recently, just that, you know, my thoughts on, on like 12 steps being the only way has definitely changed. And I mean, yeah, even for me too. part of the reason that I got into doing a recovery podcast is because I really wanted to hear different people's yeah. takes on stuff. Yeah. And, and I still like, I go back and forth on on certain things, you know, like I mentioned recently, like certain types of harm reduction that I hear about, like, um, sp like, for instance, like, you know, I saw recently that over in the UK, they had started with heroin addicts, like giving heroin addicts, like state funded heroin. Right. And it's like, okay, so I see like, on one hand, like they're getting clean needles, um, and, and stuff like that. But then it's like, man, is that, you know, and not to get into that too much, but that's just kind of the, some of the stuff I'm just like, you know, I personally, I just, I don't know. I don't know enough about harm reduction. We're going to have a harm reduction expert on the, um, that's a great, on, idea. on the podcast. Yeah, I mean, like idea. I, you know, it's like, I understand that for some people, it looks like an excuse to keep using mm -hmm. and that kind of stuff. But I also think that you've got to keep people alive long enough to find recovery or oh, even sure. just have a life that there that could be functional um For i sure. and also i think that you know you're not by you're not uh, gonna stop people from using just because no you're they're just they'll use other people's needles they'll get yep. buy stuff off the street so the whole thing is like how do we make sure it's not cut with fentanyl and people don't die how yeah. do we cut down on the spread of hiv and and hep c and and that kind of stuff yeah and, and let yeah and let me be clear like before I got sober, uh, I did several outpatient, you know, detoxes, quote unquote, for Suboxone, you know, where, where I was just going, 
Like I wasn't sticking around for any of the meetings or counseling, you know, of course, right. you know, getting the medication and then, and then take it off. Right. But it, you know, I think if anything, it probably kept me, uh, maybe from an overdose. For sure. Oh um, no, the stats show it keeps people from, no, I've never been on Suboxone and I wasn't a heroin addict. I yeah. was like a cocaine and meth freak mm. and an alcoholic. Um, I just didn't like it. Yeah. I smoked it once and I fell asleep. And I was like, this is boring. Bye. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. No, I, I was a pain pill guy. Love, love those, uh, love the pain pills. But yeah, pain oxy yeah. made me really aggressive. It made yeah. me really, it uh, chilled a lot of people out. I'm like screaming at people in parking lots and karate chopping people and <laughs> pulling knives. I'm like, I thought it's supposed to mellow you out. Like, yeah. what's up? Had the opposite. Yeah, opposite it made effect. me really nuts. shot that dopamine up. <laughs> way too high yeah it made me really aggressive yeah. and weird i was like mm. yeah well so i, I do want to ask about your memoir my fair junkie so how, how did you decide to to write a book how did you decide to write about your story like how did all that come about um i was writing for the fix.com okay the yeah recovery magazine mm -hmm. i've been a um a uh, contributor, you know, like a freelance writer, writer for them for, I don't know, six years, maybe. Okay. Writing. And so sort of, I was chronicling what was going on as it was going on. I mean, I started in 2012. Um, and then uh, I'd always wanted to write a book, but I wasn't sure how to frame it because okay. addiction you know, everyone wants the sort of like linear thing of like, oh, you hit a bottom and then you like get sober and your life's right. great. Right. And it's like, I had, you know, as someone who had relapsed a lot, I had so many bottoms and so many, and I was like, how that's going to be a really repetitive and, mm -hmm. and publishers want a narrative arc. They want a nice, clean narrative arc. Right. The hero's like, story. Well, yeah. I was like, right. And it's like, well, I mean, addiction is repetitive. It's boring. It you know is. what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'm going to get clean. I relapsed. I'm mm -hmm. going to get clean again. I relapsed. I mean, it's like, it's the same, it's fucking Groundhog's Day. Yeah. And so how was I going to make that interesting? And so once, once I got arrested and I started doing the, the um, community labor, my editor at the time was like, that's your book. That's the framework for your book is the, is the community labor. And then you could flash back to, you know, all your times using and mm. all your, and I was like, Oh, that's a good idea. That's and so cool. yeah. um, I had a friend, Amber Tozer, who wrote sober stick figure and she was um, sober in a comic and um, she just gotten a book deal. And I said, you know, would you mind passing on some of my articles to your, to your, uh, your agent? And uh, I said, I have an idea for a book. And he was like, oh my God, I love your writing. And I'm like, really? And he was like, yeah. He's like, let's get on the phone. And I was like, okay. He's like, pitch me your book idea. I'm like, oh, okay. So like I pitched him the idea and he was like, I love it. Write it, write the first, you know, three wow. chapters. And I was like, okay. And so I had been chronicling stuff for a long time. So I had like five, like a true fucking, you know, tweaker and cokehead. I had like five different, you know, manuscripts of my book, uh, okay. of my book, uh, you know, and I've been chronicling stuff forever. Mm -hmm. Not like journaling. I don't want, I don't like journaling. Yeah. Yeah. But like, like trying to write a book. And, um, um, so I had a lot of the material and I had a lot of the material from my articles also. And, um, so I, I put it together and I sent it to him and he was like, Oh my God, slow the fuck down. Like, this has gotta be like, it's gotta be more novelistic. 
you know, it's not just you going through your life. Like you have people who come in and they, we never see them again. Like mm. you're just so alcoholic, right? Like who cares yeah. about that character? It's all about me. You right. know? Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> and so he was like, we need returning characters and you need to flesh it out and slow it down. And I was like, okay. So I rewrote it and fleshed it out and slowed it down. He was like, great. Now write the proposal. So then I wrote the proposal and then we sold it. That's awesome. That's awesome. And so what is the response been to the book? Um, I don't read the shitty reviews because I'm really, because I'm too sensitive. Um, mostly people have been, a lot of people have written to me and said it fucking changed their life. They were just like, thank you for being so honest. Wow, that's like awesome. it's funny and it's really honest. I mean, there's stuff in there that's just mortifying. Hmm. And I was like, I mean, I really had a moment right before I published it and I was like, I was like, yeah, I was like, am I ever going to get laid again if I write this book like <laughs> fuck I'm like haha like you know what are people gonna think about me yeah. like it's so so honest and I was just like well I'm here I'm writing it to help people so who gives a fuck mm -hmm. you know I've saved souls who cares if I ever get laid again yeah, you know yeah, it's like exactly. no but um people were like thank you for making me laugh mm -hmm. about stuff that I was so ashamed of thank you for making me feel less alone and less broken and being so goddamn honest about yeah. it all and yeah. um you know, it has good rating on Amazon. It's done. It's done well. It's helped a lot of people. It's used in, in a lot of clinics. I've heard people have been like, oh, you know, oh, which is cool. awesome. I don't really know. I don't really, you know, I'm not one of those people who checks the Amazon rating all the time. You know what I mean? Like I try, I just kind of like put my baby out there and I continue to, to, you know, encourage people to read it. And, you know, um, it's a very honest memoir for a woman to talk about being a perpetrator of domestic violence mm. and a sex addict and a drug addict. And you know what I mean? It's, it's, you know, people are like, well, you seem like an asshole in the book. It's like, well, I was an asshole. Mm. I mean, I don't know. I don't know who else is yeah. not an asshole when they're mentally ill and on drugs. Like true. where else do you, where do you have to go? If you're not an asshole, if I was mm. an angel, I would have never gotten clean, you know, yeah. but I also showed that. I mean, I wanted to be really honest. Yeah. About who I was at the time. I didn't care if I wasn't likable. I cared that I told the truth. Yeah. No, I, I like that. Well, and I really just appreciate that anything like, you know, I, I would say that for me, like humor is such a big part of, oh, yeah. of my recovery and just, just happiness in general. And again, like, you know, when you, you know, like going back to like, you know, walking into AA or something like when you when you're in a meeting and you hear someone describe these like awful fucking situations and laughing about it and then everyone laughing about it, it's like, man, there's really, there's something to that, you of know? Course. And humor um, is very healing and it's yeah. like, you know, and again, it's the alleviation of shame and it's the identification mm. and there's just, you know, there's, I don't think there's a whole lot of addiction memoirs that are funny. And I just really yeah, wanted to make not. sure I was like not self-pitying in it and that I wasn't, I wanted to be careful to not be triggering either. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. there's very detailed stuff about shooting up. And I was like, how do I do this in a way where it doesn't look appealing? Cause I can't watch people shooting up on television. Yeah, like I had to I stop watching intervention. I get really, I get really, really triggered. And um, I feel like I'm going to throw up, but I also feel like, really excited and weird like my body remembers so i just wow. stopped watching intervention yeah it freaks me the fuck out now you yeah. know what i mean I started no having, i've heard other people say that for sure yeah. i mean it in does the beginning, get... i loved it and then i was like i just was like oh no 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 no. yeah 
a little much. No, I get that. Well, but even when so- they take blood, I'm like, you know, I'm <laughs> just like, you know, I'm like, if you can't find a fucking vein, yeah, like, like, let me uh, get in know. there. Yeah, well, let me show you I'll how it's show done. you old faithful, like, yeah. uh, you know. So you've mentioned the podcast a couple times. So you recently started the podcast, Rehab oh, Confidential. Well, yeah, I mean, t- t- tell us about it. So everyone had asked, I used to, I was a co-host of Dopey for, you know, I'd been, I was on Dopey for a bunch of times as just like a guest, recurring okay. guest and people love me and stuff like that. And I was like, I mean, again, cause I would just tell the grossest, most absurd, embarrassing stories. So um, we started a podcast called Rehab Confidential um, where we shoot the shit for about 20 minutes and then we bring on a guest okay. and we're kind of talking to all kinds of different people. Our fifth episode with Ryan O'Callaghan, uh, the NFL lineman who uh, came out as gay is our, our fifth guest. We had a sober porn star. We had Dr. Westman. We had Sean Paul Mahoney, who's a social worker who was working in the trenches in Portland. We had Chris Taylor, the combat vet who overdosed while he was running for fucking Congress. Like yeah. just really interesting people. We're just trying to hit, we have, a, I, I interviewed a transgender friend of mine who's in long-term recovery. We have all kinds of different awesome. you know, professors and just every voice of recovery. I want it all, you know? Um, so yeah, we had some, t- you know, we're both, in her 50s he's like kind of technologically uh you know and i'm not super great at it but so we had some sound problems and we used to get yelled at by our sound guy a lot and he was either like oh like i was like are you eating the mic like what's happening here like i was like stop moving i can hear are you chopping wood like what the fuck are you doing man i was like you know and uh Finally, we got our sound right. We got our format and like, it's starting to like kind of, you know, now we're just trying to do the promotion, which always is hard. Make that always made me uncomfortable with the book. Like, why my book? I felt so, you know, I'm Jewish, yeah. but it's like, it's like, you know, felt very garmento Jewy. Like, oh, hey, you know, buy my book and uh, listen to my podcast. It feels, yeah. I don't like, I'm not good at sales. That's just not my thing. Not your deal. But you yeah. have to, you have to do it. You do. So before we wrap up here, Amy, I, I want to ask if there is maybe one piece of advice that you'd like to share with the sober nation. I would say don't give up. If I'm an example of that, it's, you know, you can get it no matter how many times you failed, you can get this thing mm-hmm. um, to not give up. And um, I guess to the recovery community, I guess what I wish for is um more that we come together more in terms of like embracing all the modalities Hmm. you know that it isn't these camps yeah of 12 step versus anti-12 step versus harm reduction versus it you know what i mean versus you know mats and anti-mats and like i just feel like you know everyone's trying to recover and however they recover is awesome and i think there's just really not a place for fundamentalism like what works for me, again, I think addiction is so unique and there's such a spectrum of addiction and we're all different. So it's like what works for you doesn't necessarily work for someone and to respect other people's journey. I think that's what I've come to with, with time. You know, I still do what works for me, but I don't push that on other people. Yeah, no, I, I love, I'm with you. I mean, we've all got to come together for Right? The same same cause. Yeah. We're we're all moving in, in the same direction here. We all want the same thing. Yeah. Uh stay sober, be happy, 
live good lives. Yeah, that's it. And, uh, and that's what matters. So Who that's, yeah. that's awesome advice. Uh, thank you so much for coming course, on the show, Amy. You, you can learn. Me. Yeah. You can learn more uh, about Amy and connect with her on Instagram. You can find her book, my fair junkie on Woo! Amazon. Thanks again for coming on the show, Amy. Thanks so much for having me. Be sure to check out the show notes for all the info from today's episode. Sober Nation FM is brought to you by Sobriety Engine. Sobriety Engine is a free online community of men and women supporting each other in their recovery. Visit sobrietyengine.com to join today. This show is also brought to you by Recover Health. If you're ready to get fit and start living a healthier lifestyle while supporting your sobriety, you can learn more about having me as your own personal fitness and nutrition coach at rcvrhealth.com. And again, whether you're listening to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or watching on YouTube, please share this with your friends, follow, subscribe, and leave us a review. Nation, thanks for tuning in, and I'll see you next time.